time of the week, the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs. The Wintrust Crosstown Series kicks off May 3rd and 4th at Wrigley Field and concludes with a trip to the South Side on May 28th and 29th. As always, Elise Menneker here, Tony Andraki, um, our key Cubs reporter, and a weekend that is wrapped up with now an off day Monday going into a tough week ahead. So we'll get to that tough week ahead, looking back at the past week, uh, specifically, Tony, the Pirate Series that just wrapped up. Um, so the Cubs dropped three or four in that series. Uh, we'll be talking about that one win in the series probably for a long time, that 21 yeah. nothing beat down of the Pirates. Um, but just first, overall takeaways of their latest series um, against the Pirates. I think my main takeaway is baseball's weird. When you <laughs> outscore a team by 17 runs in a four-game series, I would not have guessed that the Cubs would win just one of those four games. I don't think anybody else would, right? You know, right. I know it all came in one game, and there's all these storylines about just, like you said, how amazing that Saturday game was. It was historic. It was record-setting. It was all these different things. Um, and the Cubs were right there in every other game and, you know, narrowly lost, including on Sunday when they had – chances in the seventh, eighth and ninth innings with multiple runners on base. Um, so I think it was just simply a matter of not being able to cash in on those opportunities. Um, and Justin Steele said it best. Like he thinks he and the Cubs think they're better than this. They think they're better than, you know, they think they should have won more than one out of four games against the pirates and, you know, no disrespect at all to the pirates, of course, but this is a team that didn't spend much or make many off season additions. They were not expected by pretty much anybody to be, you know, even a 500 team, let alone a contender. So they look good. You know, obviously their pitching staff pitches really well. David Bednar at the back of the rotation or sorry, back of the bullpen looks really good, but yeah, I, I think just, a little bit of oddity of baseball, maybe a little bit of randomness. And for whatever reason, Frank Srindell joke, like they just use, use too many of their runs on Saturday when they should have spread them out over four games, but that's not how life works. And actually we, we talk about the interview with Frank Srindell, Tony, after the game in the clubhouse, we were able to catch up with him. So here's what he had to say. I mean, it was tough, but I think uh, maybe we might have scored too many yesterday. Should have saved some, but uh, no, it's part of it. I think they pitched a good game again. Um, you know, we got we got lucky on a couple there, but, uh, you know, that's part of the game. And, uh, you know, we strung together some at-bats. We were, you know, hit away, obviously, but uh didn't happen today. But, you know, that's why we play 162. It's going to happen, and hopefully we're on the other end next time. So is that kind of the takeaway, you know, big day yesterday and then so many opportunities today, take the good from that and carry that forward? I mean, each day is a new day, but... Uh, yeah, just uh, keep keep going out there battling and uh, pl playing our game. And, you know, we're going to play. We're going to win some of those. We're going to lose some of those. And, you know, like today, we're on the, the wrong end of it, but we were right in there to the last pitch. So that's all we can ask for. Justin was saying that this team is better than the way you guys performed in the series yesterday, obviously, above and beyond, but overall. So how close or what do you need to see to have that consistency that you know you guys can bring? No, I think it's right there. It's just, you know, on any given day, uh, you know, you're going to get some of those bounces and you're not. But I think uh, we're, we're I think we're playing some good baseball, uh, you know, tough, tough weather here and there. You know, I've had some cold ones, had some rain. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're just going to grind through that. And I think we've got a great team here and we're going to we're going to be good going going forward. When you were saying you can't wait to be in that position again, were you with Wisdom? Were you guys doing extra work after the game together or no? No, our kids are running the bases, so yeah. That is, that is, yeah, so no, they they were, they were getting their work in, so yeah, no, that's good. 
I guess was today a reminder of just the nature of baseball that yesterday you guys put up 21 hit, runs, 23 hits, and then today, you know, quite a different game both offensively and defensively? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, you guys know baseball, it's a crazy game, but uh, you're not, I don't think you're going to have two two games the same ever. So, uh, yeah, each day is a new, a new battle, but, uh, you know, like I said, we got a great group of guys. We're going to go out there and keep fighting and uh, play some good baseball. And not an excuse, but how tough was it to adjust to the conditions and just the changing of times and the schedule? Ah, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, never easy. But they're they've been throwing some wrinkles at us, and we're going to, like I said, grind through it. But uh, you know, they had to deal with it too over there at the Pirates. But uh, yeah, just one of those days where, you know, it uh, could have been either way. I, I actually appreciated his um, lightheartedness. He was not at all taking this series just with a grain of salt, but I appreciated that perspective of just, um, you know, having that bigger picture and when he was kind of talking to us, because I think I was anticipating, especially someone who had a chance to win it there uh, in the ninth in that last game of the series. I, I didn't know if he, you know, but would be a little more down, um, but I think it was in very Frank Schwindel fashion to keep you know, like I said, like the bigger picture in mind. And so for that, I do appreciate when a player kind of can still um, talk to us and kind of give that um, tone, if you will, uh, after a rough series, like you said, I think, yeah, obviously the positive is, is a historic win. And the takeaways from the other games are that the Cubs, uh, when they have players who come up in those key situations, they're looking for those hits. And Hopefully over the course of 162, you find those opportunities. I think um, the one thing when you look at that lineup is there's no doubt this lineup can feed off of each other. Of course, the best example is going to be a 21 nothing win, um, but we see that. We've seen it to start this season, and I think now it's just who's going to step up and be clutch and uh, not just kind of be like, I'm going to get on and, and let's keep passing the bat. It's, it's this moment who's going to kind of rise to that occasion when they're in those tight games. And I think that kind of just works itself throughout the course of a season. And sometimes, especially early on, it's about being in those situations and then kind of, you know, no doubt, like Frank said too, I'm ready, like put me in that situation again, I'm ready to capitalize on it. Uh, and then, yeah, um, we heard from Steele after, and also I think it was nice to hear his perspective on his outing and really pinpointing the problem and knowing kind of right away what he wanted to fix with it. And so I think that was also refreshing to hear too, just a very specific answer as to like, look, my command was off. Here's why um, he felt his legs were ahead of his arm and he was getting fatigued because he was throwing so many pitches. So um, yeah. So I think it's just one of those series that early on in the season that you can take the positives and also just learn from the opportunities and, and just the missed opportunities, if you will. So yeah, um, and I think yeah. to kind of add on to that is, is really just baseball is all about percentages, right? It's about yeah. trying to maximize the percentages and the opportunities and the matchups and all these different things. I mean, it, the Cubs, that's why they remade this offense is to get more contact out there to, to be able to try to be more consistent, to maximize opportunities, to not be so reliant upon three run homers or, you know, all or nothing type of players. And yes, they're going to, you're going to see days where it comes to fruition, like Saturday, where everything was finding holes and it didn't matter where the pirates shifted, you know, the ball right. finding green right. in the field. And then, you know, the, the Cubs had some hard hit balls on Sunday that that didn't find grass. So it, it's going to come and go. But I think you give yourself a better chance. And it goes back to something John Lester's always said. 
you make your own luck. And I think you do that. The Cubs are in better position to do that with this lineup they have, with a lineup that makes more contact, with a lineup that is diverse one through nine. And, and like you said, that feeds off each other too. So I think it's just about playing the percentages in this four game small sample. The percentages did not work out in the Cubs favor. And I, I think, you know, you just keep running out there. And that's why, like, that was the takeaway I had from Frank. Like you said, that his, he didn't seem down and, and none of the other Cubs players seemed like they were like, oh man, like season's over, sky's falling. Of course right. they wouldn't say that in week three, but it just seemed more like, hey, let's do it again. Let's try again. Next time, you know, if we get in the situation again, maybe we'll win three out of four or win all four. And, and I think that's all you have to do. And, and that's where I think the Cubs are positioned well to, to try to capitalize on that. Yeah, and even Schwindel saying that he had come in from um, his kid was running the bases after the game, you know, just kind of getting that personal side too of sometimes, you know, the human side, if you will, that yeah, that was just a tough loss. But then he goes out on the field and can kind of get um, like, like even the word I used earlier, that perspective, even for himself, the balance that is so important with this game. And I'm with you where this lineup, um, the contact, because it can be a lot on the ground, can be seen as a negative because of the double plays that it can induce or just the ground ball out. But I think what David Ross always says, and that what I agree with is that when you put the pressure on the defense, good things can happen. When you put the ball in play and force your opponent to, to make plays, then that when you talk about the percentages, well, you're increasing your chances of, you know, well, the more pressure you can put on, hopefully over time, that that pays off in the defense, whether it's, you know, just errors or, or finding the holes, whatever it may be. But you like that as opposed to seeing more strikeouts. So I'm, I'm all for contact any day of the week um, and just kind of like what Rossi says, which is just over time that it's it's going to pay off and you'll have those days too where it doesn't um, you kind of just have to ride that wave and so kind of Tony as we talk about um, what we're seeing out of this lineup we're also seeing a little bit of um, some pieces kind of fitting and, and less movement uh, so we have like say Suzuki in that second spot followed by Contreras and then it's looking like Hap and maybe Schwindel. Um, so just kind of your take as you kind of see that sort itself out. And I, I would still say that that one spot, the key spot, the leadoff, would be so nice if we had, you know, I think at some point we'll get a name there, a consistent name. Um, but it's good to see at least that middle of the order rounding out. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, you know, this profile we heard about Suzuki was he's a high on base guy. He doesn't strike out a ton. He's athletic. You know, ev everything we heard, you thought, okay, this guy could be their best hitter. I, I thought right away, like, hey, this guy looks perfect for that number two spot that Schwindel held down really well, you know, at the, in the last couple months of, of last year. Mm -hmm. um, and to Ross's credit, I think he put Suzuki in a great spot where he was hitting him five, six, seven in the lineup kind of gave him a, a softer landing to major league pitching. And then obviously now, yeah, Saya has taken off and has um, ascended to the two hole that everybody was ex kind of expecting. Ross even admitted that he always envisioned Saya hitting in, in that second spot. And that's where a lot of teams, you know, hit their best hitter right now. And the Cubs jokingly used Mike Trout as an example, because mm -hmm. uh, the angels hit him second and have for a couple of years now. So yeah, you know, I like that. And then filtering in from there, I mean, obviously Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are, are have the two longest track records and middle of the order guys uh, in terms of this lineup and Schwindel, we've seen what he can do and he continues to do it. And even that, like, you know, he had a, what, an eight or nine game hitting streak earlier this season. Nine. Yeah. He's, yeah, and he still doesn't feel like he's like locked in or ready to go. Right, he oh. said that during that hitting streak. He didn't feel it was his best hitting. Yeah, and so like, you know, there's definitely like more meat on the bone when you feel from like Schwindel and some of the rest of the lineup. So yeah, it, it seems interesting, you know, how this plays out and Suzuki, his on-base skills and 
everything else. Like he's not going to have a 500 on base percentage for the rest of his career. But like, this <laughs> would be nice. That, it, it would be awesome. Would be, <laughs> for sure. I mean, talk about like exceeding expectations. But yeah. <laughs> he looks like a guy that seriously could be like a 400 on base type of guy with, with a yeah. pretty high average. He makes good contact, takes a lot of walks. So, I mean, that's perfect in that two hole. And obviously, yeah, he's rounding into their best hitter overall. So it's kind of interesting to see just in the, in the couple of weeks, how the lineup construction has, has been shaped and has formed into this. Um, but it looks like, yeah, you know, while guys are healthy, this might be what it's going to look like moving forward is Suzuki Contreras, Hap Schwindel, and then fill in the rest of the pieces kind of around that. Yeah. And, and like you said, that two spots really kind of like the new three or four, if you will, with how lineups have changed. And I think especially, you know, something we didn't mention even as uh, over that pirate series. And I, cause I want to see what just did Nico Horner do in that series going eight for 12. So we had six, 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 seven and three RBIs um, four career high, four hits in that 21, nothing game coming off a game where he had three hits. So you see how they kind of add up. Um, and I think too, that someone it could be a natural fit at the top of the order, because we're also getting a look to in this series at his speed. I mean, we've, we've seen that throughout his career and we've seen it before. Um, but as he continues to perform so consistently, you kind of are, are seeing just really what he could bring in day in and day out. And so when you get someone like him, who even has a little pop too, right, he can hit those line drives, get the extra base hit. So you're looking at someone who could easily find himself on second pretty quickly, whether he hits himself on or then deals or gets that extra base hit. And then you're starting to see moving down. Like if you have a Suzuki Contreras Hap, who Hap looks really good. Um, Hap is, uh, you know, part of what the attempted comeback Sunday with that home run. Um, so you like to see uh, not just the pieces come together, but the production that either you've wanted to see pan out from previous seasons to now. Uh, and like, could it keep going uh, or could it get better? at times say like with Hap as we saw him come on late last year and then now kind of picking up right where he left off so yeah I think it's so I was always a player who I liked consistency in the lineup so I always respect these players a ton that as Ross plays around with the different lineups especially like a Patrick Wisdom who some days can find himself in the outfield some days at third base maybe even first um, but you still try to you know perform at the plate as well so I think this team's done a really nice job of accepting the role they are given that day for the player to do move around um, and still coming out and performing. And, and when you talk about roles, um, who is better embracing their situation than Alfonso Rivas? I mean, this is someone who has been so consistent throughout his career. When he goes to the plate, you know what you're getting, but how fun is it? to see him, you know, come up, especially after he was really raking for a few days in Iowa and then comes up and you could almost say the same at Wrigley. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has looked really good. And I remember Ross talking over the weekend about just how difficult that conversation was with Rivas, where they had to send him down earlier in the year. And it was, you know, basically came down to, hey, we need a pitcher. So they brought up Mark Later Jr. And um, you have options and a lot of other guys on the roster don't. And so it it's tough when it comes to that. Obviously, Rivas, at that point, he was two for four, like he hadn't done anything to warrant, you know, being sent down, but he went back to triple a, he mashed again, right away, came back up to the big leagues, mashed again, you know, like, like you said, yeah. he really is just consistently. And especially since he's gotten to the Cubs organization, like, you know, he's hurt at the beginning of last year, hurt at the end of last year, but in between he just hit well. And he has this professional full field approach. So I think it's going to be really interesting, like a really fascinating storyline to see how the Cubs are able to work him in the lineup moving forward and how often they're able to do that. Cause 
another factor here is they don't have too many left-handed bats. They have, mm-hmm. you know, Happ and VR switch hitters, but other than that, it's Ortega and Hayward. So to add another lefty in there, and I think it, it could, it could, uh, it could be huge for this lineup for sure, but just his approach and his ability to play right or left and first base and DH um, obviously is a possibility now. So I'm not quite sure how this all, all works out. There was already this crowded outfield picture before, you know, Clint Frazier went on the IL. So it's going to be really interesting, especially when like Andrelton Simmons and, and Frazier come back, but Rivas, his playing time, you know, how he continues to evolve, um, you know, a 25 year old to like a future piece of this team. I, I just think that's one of the storylines I'm going to be watching for sure throughout the rest of this season and particularly the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And his profile is is like a lot of what we're seeing already, like you said, in the lineup, the difference being that he can bring that lefty bat. Um, and look, they say in baseball, if, if you can hit, they find a place for you. So whether that's the outfield or first base, I know in Iowa last year, that's something he was really working on and takes pride over there at first because he may not be the biggest target. He's about six feet tall. And usually you'll see some bigger guys over there, um, but he's got great hands and he's really athletic. And we saw some of that defense in the Pirates series like when he caught that pop-up that the wind got a hold of and then you know makes a sliding catch by the mound um other there was one other play in particular I can't remember it right now but there were there's moments right that already in the few games that he's played in that can stick out to you and at bats that already stick out to you so I think um that yeah he's someone who has a good head on his shoulders and is approaching the game as David Ross said he's professional right like you said how Ross had that conversation with him he said that's that's being a pro the way he handled that going down down, coming back up, still doing his job throughout that whole time. Um, so credit to Rivas and credit to Ross, I think, for uh, his approach and how he is managing the not just the Rivas situation, but as as he you know gets more years under his belt as a manager, I, I appreciate he's very deliberate. And everything that he does, um, you know, he really thinks about things, not just from the managerial side, but as that former player side, because he said, you know, the reason I'm honest with guys is because that's what I was always looking for. Just tell me what you need, what you want. He said, that's what I'm going to give you as a manager. And I think um, that this team really responds to that. And I think any player like Ross said would really respond to that. Because in this game, as long as you just kind of know where your stand, your situation is, you just want to hear that because you believe in your ability to kind of take care of the rest and uh, more puzzle people pieces can be slotted in over time because and I'm not even just talking about on the positional side because immediately actually what comes to my mind as we talk about this lineup is how Simmons, right? When you look at that infield, yeah. he could be slotted in. Uh, we know he's still in Arizona working his way back. But on the pitching side, Tony, you have Wade Miley and Alec Mills who are a little closer to coming back. Mills in particular just made a rehab start. I will looking at another one later this week. But you like to hear, you know, hey, bring on all the pitchers, you know, that you can get. And, and especially two in particular that can give you a lot of options. Mills more so, but Miley in that start starting role down the down the road here yeah and I I think too it'll just it would help in so many different areas because Miley obviously you know he's an 11-year vet like he he knows how to pitch deep into games how to get guys out Alec Mills has performed a little better as a starter than a reliever over his career but he can obviously fill multiple roles as well Um, but yeah then see you know if Mark Leiter Jr. can can kind of fill a Keegan Thompson type role as a multi-inning relief guy who can miss some bats um if Mills or Miley are able to slide in the rotation and get back to health. But I think, yeah, it's, it's a big storyline right now because this Cubs rotation, it just hasn't eaten innings or covered innings the way that the team I think was expecting to. And even given the fact that the first two weeks of the season, they were treating as if it was the last two weeks of spring training, mm-hmm. 
That being said, the first four games, the first time through the rotation, every member went at least five innings. Since then, it's happened just twice, Smiley on Friday and Hendricks on Saturday. And Hendricks has the only quality start so far, um, you know, three weeks into the season. So I, I think just adding length, taking pressure off of the bullpen, um, going out there and, you know, giving you five, four, five, six innings every time out, Mills and Miley have, have been able to do that throughout the course of their career. And I think that's huge. I, I, you know, I think there's a trickle down effect, not only to the rest of the rotation, but the rest of the, the bullpen and possibly the, the position player front as well, if they're able to cover these innings when in a couple of days, you know, the, the rosters move from 28 to 26, like they don't need as many guys in the bullpen then, or maybe they're able to figure out this position player puzzle, whatever it is. I just think that length is important. So seeing how Mills and Miley are able to recover the next week or two weeks is just huge for the Cubs. Yeah, I, I think um, that's kind of the, the thing that sticks out right now when you look at this team is just getting yeah more length um, from your starters and, and more quality starts just I'm not even the definition of the, the phrase, but just wanting to see better performances um, out of the starting pitchers as well. And I think they'll get there. I it's, I think we're past that point where we're talking about anything laying over from spring training. These guys now are just expecting themselves like a steal yesterday, just saying, Hey, like I can be better. I will be better. I'm recognizing what I can do moving forward to be better and to fix that in game. So he can last longer. Um, so I think it's just uh, for some of these guys just picking up on their keys, you know, during games or just figuring out, uh, you know, Stroman kind of saying, feeling out a little, uh, not, not his, words but mine like out of whack if you will the rhythm isn't exactly there and so just trying to find that so yeah I mean the bullpen has performed well but you start thinking about last year and this was kind of what was happening early on last year as well that we were going to the Cubs are going to the bullpen a little bit sooner and you start to see how over the course of a few months that can kind of wear on the entire pitching staff really but this and obviously these starters they are they want to go deeper. I mean, I brought up Sturman. He's someone who from the start of spring training is so determined um, to just show what he can bring and what he can do and how long he can last in those games. So it's nice. I think that the, the takeaway there is, you know, that you can go up, right. That there there's room to grow there and there's room to be better. So now you just want to see that executed and get done. And I think that's when you'll start to see the pitching staff as a whole kind of really um, start to perform to their potential, but coming up after this commercial break, we want to talk about a pitcher performing to his potential. <laughs> I think everyone knows who that's going to be. We're going to talk Keegan Thompson and more about that pitching staff coming up. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. So picking up where we left off, Tony, about the Cubs pitching staffs, so we talked about the starters. There is one reliever in particular who is performing above and beyond. You just hope that this continues for him, and that's Keegan Thompson. Uh, man, has he impressed. That's just kind of what I'll say to you. <laughs> yeah, no, he has for sure. I mean, it, it's I was looking up numbers and stuff before this. Like, yeah, already has it as, as, a, as one half war, like through three weeks of a season for a reliever, a long reliever. I mean, that's pretty incredible, but when you haven't given up a run over almost 14 that's, innings, like that's, that's how I had to double check. Too. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, that's how happens. that plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's um, obviously just pitching so well and he's going out there three, four innings at a time and he's just shutting everybody down. I, what stands out to me is the difference between him this year and last year 
physically, and I'll let you talk about it because I know you know you asked him about it, but I think the approach to me from Keegan Thompson in 2022 version versus 21 is he's just on the attack so much more. Like he's filling up the zone. He's going right after guys. He's, he, you know, he's throwing his, um, his fastball right in the zone right away. He's getting strike one a bunch. Like he's attacking guys. He's not falling behind. And that's what he did last year and, and not, you know, he was still obviously very successful, but I think he just fell behind a little bit. There were a little bit more walks, a little bit more three ball counts than he or the Cubs would have liked. That's not the case this year. I mean, he's shutting everybody down and we can see what he's capable of. He has swing and miss stuff or he can get the ground ball out if you need or just inducing weak contact. You know, he can go short if needed be, but obviously the Cubs have, have wanted him to go two, three, four innings so far. But yeah, he's obviously, you know, he's been their biggest weapon so far in the pitching staff. And it's something that like, he's not going to have a zero ERA the rest of the year, but it's something that I can see this type of success moving forward especially because we've seen this with like Edward Alzale has been able to do that in past years. And Keegan and, and uh, Justin Steele did this earlier in the year last year as well. So this multi-inning young reliever, Keegan really fills a need, I think, for the Cubs in that regard. Yeah, he's just been so reliable. And when we talked about the shorter starts from some of the starters to be able to go to someone like him in those situations, like in the Pirate series, uh, really not – you. Not literally not needing to go to anyone else except for Smiley and Thompson in that game. That's like unheard of today to just use like two pitchers in a game. So that right there shows you the value and the trickle down effect over the course of a series. Like then we saw Sunday, you know, all hands on deck for Ross, especially with an off day Monday. And to your point and how just, just look at him. So take even the numbers, everything aside, and he just looks different. And, and during spring training, he was asked about that comes in looking that way. And you guys um, were talking to him about how he had his wedding. So he mentioned how he was eating clean. And then after his start or relief appearance the other day, I wanted to, to dive into that a little bit more with him. So I asked in particular, cause it just kind of, I thought, well, we can all eat clean, but you know, yeah. he looks good, right? He leaves yeah. out and I, I don't look like that after you clean for like a week or something. So he also said he was adding hot yoga um, to his routine in the off season. He has not done that in past years. And so I think that right there. Now, I also did say he he's, does not want to attribute any one thing in particular to his success so far this season. Cause I said, do you think he's like, I don't even, I don't even want to go there. He's just going to kind of take it for what it is right now, but you'd have to think everything together whether it's just hot yoga or at least adding that he did it for flexibility to kind of stay loose. You've heard of a lot of athletes adding that to their workout regimens these days. Um, and so I think that you're seeing someone who is doing what he can to not just elevate his game, but you really get the sense to perform at the level that he knows that he can perform at. He even, I think described himself last year as having that bulldog mentality. And I think we've used that before to describe him in this podcast, or at least maybe I've thrown it out there for him. And, um, I think when you combine that with the confidence that he brings into this season, because I do think that he's talked about a few times um, how just getting the big league experience last year and having the ups and downs with it. And I think then being able to go into the off season and learn from that and also know though, like, Hey, I have the stuff that can play in this game. Like I know I can get out. Mm -hmm. And I think now you're seeing the combination of that physical meeting, the mental and in that game or in this game, when that can happen, that's when you start to see really good results. 
And I love, like you said, he just doesn't have any real answers for. He doesn't want to think anything, it, yeah. <laughs> which, which is like, I mean, is that not the perfect way to illustrate totally. a guy in the zone? You know, like these athletes, especially baseball players, is like when they're in the zone, it's like, what's going right? I don't know, everything. You yeah, know? Like, right. like they don't want to think about it. They want to totally. focus on it. Whereas when things are going wrong, then they're like, oh, well, I think it's this. I think it's this. Because when they're in it and locked in, they just want to stay in it as long as possible. And they don't want to get in their head. They don't want to overthink it. Totally. They just want to keep going out there and performing. And so it was kind of funny. I mean, I remember that, that's, I think, like two interviews now we've had with Keegan, like post game at Wrigley and stuff. And it's like, what's going right? Uh, I don't know. You know, and it's yeah. not like he's not trying to be difficult. It's just like, hey, this is going great. I'm going right. to go this way. And so I think that to me speaks to just the the, the zone that he is in um, and has been in for three weeks now. It's a very genuine answer when he's telling us, I don't know, like you can see he's not like, he's not even going to go there because he genuinely probably yeah. can't even come up with anything. And I will say in the game, when you are in the zone, sometimes you don't really know, like when you just kind of, like he said, there's ups and downs in this game right now, he's added up and he'll ride the way, whatever direction yep. it goes in. But um, sometimes there is truth to, uh, you know, when things are going right, you just don't really ask questions and you, there's a feel to it. And you just try to keep going with that. Um, and we're also getting a feel for other guys out of the bullpen, Tony. And, and when I mentioned earlier, how Ross is very deliberate and everything he does, we saw a very deliberate approach um, as he, you know, got to see for the first time, newcomer, Sean Newcomb come out of the bullpen, a lefty arm has had some tough years, uh, the last couple, couple of few years, but uh, a lot of potential there, especially this is like a guy big on the mound, six, five. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we were also able to catch up with him in the clubhouse when he got with the team. And um, this is someone too, who you, you see the fire in his eyes to want to prove that he can be who he's been in the past. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, like you said, big guy on the left side, but also 94, 95 yeah, miles forward right. on the left side. And that's that's a little unique because the Cubs haven't necessarily had that in, in recent years. You know, the Chafin and Brad Wick and even Daniel Norris now and stuff, they, you know, they throw pretty well, but they're not necessarily hitting 94, 95 on a consistent basis. So, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. He was a top prospect. He was a former first round pick. He's only 28. He still has a couple of years left to team control. So seeing how how he fits in in the long run, but even just in the, in the short term here, I think is, is really fascinating. And yeah, like, you, you know, other guys are, their roles are, are filling in. Like Ross isn't necessarily wanting to name a closer, but David Robertson is consistently the guy at the back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the loss on Sunday, he was the, the last guy to right. pitch. And, um, you know, Michael Givens is, is obviously the number one setup guy right now. And both of those two guys have been exactly as advertised and probably even a little bit better than advertised. Like they're missing bats a lot. Um, they're just going out there and, and shutting the opposing offense down. And I think when you can work back from there and still have guys like Rowan Wick and Scott Efros pitching well and, you know, see how Ethan Roberts continues to develop and Chris Martin, who obviously has been around for a little while. And then these pair of lefties, it's like, Plus Keegan, you know, what we talked about, right, right. this bullpen is, is rounding into form. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see just how many arms and how they fit these arms when the roster goes down by two in a few days. But yeah, the, I think the Cubs have a lot of pieces here and they have a bullpen that maybe isn't necessarily have the track record of like a Kimbrel, Chafin, Tapera, but like, I think can be effective or close to as effective as that. And, and that's also what we've seen from Ross is whenever things whenever he gets a new bullpen in the, in the few years as a manager he takes a little bit of time and then he is able to to work with Tommy Hadovy and CY and stuff and figure out 
where what pockets are best for these guys. And then the bullpen gets on a little bit of a run. And we've seen that a few times. And that's kind of what I'm actually expecting here. I think this might be the moment here where we may see them like get on a little bit of a run and continue to the success that they've had in the early going. Yeah. So to go off your last point, like when I mentioned Ross being deliberate and getting that look at uh, look at Newcomb um, at a time where, yeah, it was in a game that it was, it was done, right. The Cubs had sealed the win and there was a good time for him to see a new player to get him the experience and to start um, getting that look. And it's funny that you bring up those names like Tapera or Kimbrell or Chafin because as you were talking, I was thinking about, I don't know about you, but when you see now, or at least when I see like a guy like Givens going or Robertson, there's kind of like a jolt of like excitement or fun because you want to see what they can do. Because I think we've been so used to seeing those names, uh, not they were here for long periods, but we knew their roles and what they could do. So we got excited when they would go into the game. Now it's kind of like a new batch that we get excited for and guys that we're just seeing really still for the first time. So at least when they go in the game, like when Givens goes in, I'm excited, you know, to see what, what he can do. Um, and with his unique delivery, and then you have a guy like Robertson who can go going late so smooth uh you know put those two back to back and right there you're getting totally different looks um so yeah i think that that's uh an area that uh is it sorts itself out if you will but the pitchers are kind of doing that too uh with the way that they're pitching and you exactly. always know that that's the area you know david ross he can he manages that so well just the pitching staff with his catching experience and how he approaches who to use in leverage situations or how to get guys time you know you always can see that the wheels are turning in his head whether it's during that game uh or even as he's going to use guys throughout the series yeah definitely I, I think um yeah I, I mean Givens was a guy that we said on this season preview podcast that I thought was going to get more save opportunities and yeah this wasn't really sure that. with Robertson you know coming off Tommy John only pitched for about a month in the regular season last year in Tampa I wasn't quite sure just how you know how effective he might be right away and obviously he is at the little bit of the latter end of his career but I mean he he looks like the David Robertson from his prime you know he, sure. he's been so effective and he's getting you know swings and misses and using his breaking stuff off his fastball well and everything else. And, and Givens obviously is able to step in if need be. And maybe at times he will get some saves if Robertson's used for, for kind of that pocket, if it comes up in the seventh or eighth inning, but yeah, those two guys, I think you're able to work back. And then you have Keegan Thompson, like we've talked about. I mean, mm -hmm. there's kind of this bookend already developing in the bullpen for Ross and then kind of fill in the middle innings in between. Um, so yeah, that, that's, it's interesting. It's not, Again, it's not quite, you know, like Kimbrel, Chafin, Tapera, but right. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. And if a guy like Newcomb or Daniel Norris can maybe play that Chafin left-handed role in, in late high, ever, high leverage innings as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that, I think we even knew it at the time that that trio was unique. And we appreciated what they brought to the bullpen. And now it's just kind of, uh, that's always the name of the game, right? With the the new guys that you have creating just another trio, if you will, or whatever that, however that rounds out. Um, they're going to need all the pitching they can get. And they're going to need all the hitting they can get with this stretch coming up. So if you listen to their next, the, the upcoming games, so you have 14 straight against playoff contending teams. So you're going to have at Braves, at Brewers, a couple home against the White Sox. Dodgers home at Padres. I mean, 
yikes. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. better be ready. <laughs> so once you're off day after that, get ready to go. There's, there are a couple off days surrounding uh, that White Sox, uh, like doubleheader, if you will, the couple games like back to back, but the I should say single, you know, you know what I'm saying? One yes. game, one game. Back to back game. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to explain the schedule of our <laughs> podcast, but the point is we're talking about the tough competition they have coming up. So I just, when you hear that, Tony, what's going to be key for them? You know, I, I think just health and, and getting some of these guys back, but also just let's see what the Cubs are made of. You know, this is obviously a much different team than the last couple of months we saw last year and you know even before that with all those guys that were traded away so let's see what this team can do you know there's a couple extra playoff spots this year if they're going to become this playoff contender and you know be towards the top of the NL Central rankings or just the wild card standings I think this 14 game stretch can show us what if the team is capable of that and show us what they are capable of this year, I guess, is the better way to put it. And, you know, yeah, you have the contending uh, or the reigning world champs and the Braves. Obviously, the Brewers have been the class of the division for the last couple of years. And then the White Sox, you know, they, they're down in their luck right now, but uh, they had really high hopes, like World Series hopes this year and Dodgers, Padres as well in the NL West. So, yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And then after that, there's the vaunted pirates again, of course, but you know, a couple games, a couple series against the Arizona diamondbacks, another yep. rebuilding club Cincinnati as well. So if the Cubs can kind of keep their head above water and uh, then they can get to like maybe a little bit easier part of the schedule and take advantage of it. But we saw this in May last year, this was really kind of a similar thing. And that's what stood out totally. to me is last year in early May, it was like Dodgers early on. And it was this really tough stretch and the Dodgers kicked it off. And the Cubs played their best baseball in May and they really were, you know, they were in first place for so long. And I think they exceeded expectations um, kind of like outside Chicago, but they really put themselves on the map playing well against really good teams. And I'm curious to see like how that plays out this year, if it's the same kind of thing, because here we are May again, a bunch of contenders in a row, a lot of those on the road, like let's see what this team's made of. Yeah, and I think, too, a time to see when we talk about the new construction of this lineup, and I'm not just talking about the faces, but the profile of it, the contact bats, how will that play out against teams like this where, you know, are you going to see more of the ground balls getting you into trouble or are we going to see where they find holes and that's kind of how things go for them and the hitting and putting the ball in play, you know, plays well against the good teams and the good pitching, too, when you have, you know, guys in there who are going to be some of the best that you're going to see. I mean, Braves and Brewers right there back to back. Um, and to your point too, about the White Sox, like in the middle there, uh, this is a team right now that uh, the White Sox, a team that are struggling with injuries and not off to the same start uh, that a lot of people thought they would be. So um, that an opportunity there to, to capitalize on a team that's banged up um, that, you know, people probably still feel they can. Uh, so because it's so early, you can still talk playoffs with them. Um, but Again, we're talking about teams where the postseason is on the horizon. The, hub, the Cubs want to prove that that can be true for them, too, by putting up a fight against these teams. And I don't see, you know, I think in these series, it's, it comes down to pitching, right? So as long as you get the pitching that you need from your starters, really, in these situations, and then you get the key hits in the opportune moments, then there, there's, that's how you see, you know, you don't need to score 21 runs to, to get a win. It can be fun and nice, but sometimes you just need uh, what say what they were lacking Sunday against the pirates. 
the right hit at the right time because they're getting people on. Now it's just about hitting them in when you need it because especially against good teams, you're not going to get in those situations a lot. So then when you do, you just got to come through when the opportunity presents itself. And that's how you just you know beat the good teams when you really want to simplify things. So I'm with you. I think it'll be a really fun stretch to watch because though it's early in the season still, I think it'll give us a good idea of the potential of not just the team, but individuals and players stepping up against some of the best competition that you'll see in this kind of chunk. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, one guy we talk about Justin Steele, like he's, as he's trying to go through a full season as a starter, you know, yeah. he's going to take multiple starts in that stretch over all these contenders. So see how that plays out, see how Keegan Thompson's able to do it from the bullpen, if he's able to keep his success. And then some of these other guys, you know, Afonso Rivas and Nico Horner that we've talked about against, you know, this, this elite this sure. championship caliber pitching too. So I'm with it. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things to watch, see how the Cubs measure up, but yeah, these next two and a half weeks, I think will be really telling for this 2022 season and telling the story of this team. Yeah. And I think this is, from what we heard from this team after Sunday, whether it was Justin Steele, Frank Schwindel, it was, we believe we can be better. And they seem excited to want to show that, that they can step up against these good teams. And, you know, they're, uh, they're, I keep like the profile, their contact, whatever it is, whatever they can bring, that's enough. That's what they want to prove that they can win with that consistently. So it'll be a fun stretch. We're going to keep track of it here, of course, as always on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. And we'll be talking about it throughout as they go. So we'll kind of keep you in the loop, give you our reactions, analysis, whatever it may be. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. So for Tony Andraki, I'm Elise Meneker. We'll see you next time.